And, um, uh, you know, this is, this is one of the scriptures that, to, to me, it's not a, it's not a very uh, uh, deep scripture there. I'll just read it here. It says in, in Luke 12, 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <clears throat> and this particular scripture has always meant a lot to me because um, it, it gives me a little insight about uh, the Lord and his motivation and his desire for us. Uh, and so, uh, of course, he calls us uh, fear not little flock. So, you know, that's really a term of endearment. So you can tell that, you know, his, his thoughts towards us are not, uh, you know, I know we're his servants, but he also considers us uh, his children. But he's, but he's calling us his little flock here. Uh, <clears throat> and so, you know, he's really showing his kindness and the, the, uh, uh, his desire for us. And he says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so it's not just it's your father's desire to help you. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times people will help people almost out of obligation. You know, they have to or your family or something. You know, we just have to do it. We don't really want to do it, but we're going to do it because if we don't help you, nobody else is going to help you. And, <clears throat> and so it's almost a begrudging assistance that sometimes uh, we will do for people. Uh, but uh, Jesus is telling us here that it's not just a begr- begrudging assistance that the Lord gives to us, right? There's no resentment on his part that, you know, there you go again asking me for assistance. There you go again needing things. Uh, he said it's your father's good pleasure uh, to give you the kingdom. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's, uh, like I said, not a, not a super deep, profound scripture. But to me, it gives me insight and understanding of who the Lord is, right? When I, when I think of the Lord, I think when he thinks about me, it's his good pleasure. It pleases him uh, to provide for me. It pleases him to give me the whole kingdom. Well, what's in the kingdom of God? Well, everything, right? Everything the Lord owns is in his kingdom. <clears throat> and and if, it's, if it's his good pleasure, then he does it willingly, gladly, and uh, desires to do that for us because it brings uh, pleasure to him. It's his good pleasure, right? It's, it pleases him to be good to us. Uh, and, and that, you know, you just have to meditate on verses like this, right? This is a verse that you meditate on because it, it shows you the heart of the Lord, amen, that he's not doing things just uh, because, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're part of my kingdom, so I guess i got to help. You know, he's not a uh, benevolent dictator, right? Some people call kings the benevolent dictators, right? He helps them, but only because he just has to, right? And otherwise, because otherwise he'd have an uprising and, you know, he's trying to just appease the masses and, you know, the Lord's not trying to do any of that at all. He, he desires with all that is within him to be good to his children. And, and he calls us uh, terms like this, little flock, as terms of endearment to show us how much he really thinks about us, right? It's not, oh, oh, there he is again, right? Uh, when we come to him, uh, when we come to him, he sees us as his little flock. Uh, and, and, uh, and his desire is, uh, how can I help you today? How can I bless you today? What is it that you need of that I can give to you today? That, that's, you know, you, when you read verses like this, that's the heart of God. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> there's, there's one story that uh, uh, Brother Hagen told that uh, uh, I've always liked that particular story uh, because it just shows, um, uh, it shows the reality of things that we deal with. And, you know, of course, Brother Hagen was the great man of faith. He would, of course, never call himself the great man of faith, but he was a great man of faith. Uh, and his wife had... Uh, a goiter a growth on on her neck that she'd had for many years and you know one thing she'd kind of put up with but after a while it, it got to, it progressed to the point where uh, it was causing her uh, t- 
to close off her esophagus, and she'd have uh, problems breathing sometimes and problems swallowing, and had gone to the doctor, and they, they recommended doing surgery. Now, of course, there's, you know, Brother Hagen, right? Uh, many visions from the Lord Jesus, uh, healed off his deathbed when he was a teenager, and yet his wife wasn't healed supernaturally of this goiter. And so, uh, but they, they also sense that, you know, because uh, the Lord, part of the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to show us things to come. And they sense that if she gets the surgery, she'll not survive the surgery because it's pretty invasive, right? Especially, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And so, you know, he was just talking to Lord about it. Lord, you know, I mean, she, this is going on. Uh, we've prayed. She hasn't received her healing. Uh, and, and there was no, he didn't say you haven't healed her because that implies that he's made a choice. Uh, you know, they just kind of leave it alone. And so, um, and so she needs surgery, but we sense that that uh, she'll not survive the surgery. But uh, and so then he just talked, started talking to the Lord. Lord, you know, I need my wife. We've been married all these years. She's been a, a great blessing in my life. She has helped me in so many ways. And I, I need my wife and I need her to be well. Uh, and, and as he was praying, uh, and of course, he'd been praying about this for a season. Uh, one one particular day, there was a situation going on. And the Lord Jesus appeared to him. So it's one of his, uh, he's got a book that he wrote called I Believe in Visions. And he talks about several of the visions that he had with the Lord Jesus, open visions, and uh, where he'd just see him just like I see you uh, many times with the Lord Jesus. And, uh, of course, you know, the Lord Jesus did it many times in the, in the Word of God as well. So we have scripture for it. And, you know, it, just because that happens, you don't, be, you don't believe it just because it says that. You, you confirm everything that is said according to the word of God, amen? So if Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen and gave him some new doctrine that, that was contradictory to the word of God, then, of course, we don't accept that. But, uh, <clears throat> but, he, but the Lord Jesus appeared to him. He said, he said I came to answer your prayer. Uh, he said, uh, have the surgery. It'll go well. There won't be any complications, uh, and, and, and she'll be fine. Uh, and, and, um, and then he said, after that, he said, he said he paused for just a moment and looked at Brother Hagen. He said, he said, you don't know how I long for my children to ask me. He said, if I just ask, he said, I desire so much to be a blessing to them. Uh, uh, and if they were to ask, it's my good pleasure. He didn't say that part of it because I'm, I'm adding it to the verse here because it fits exactly what this verse says. It's my good pleasure to, to help my children. Uh, and so... Would it have been better for her to get healed supernaturally? It would have been better for her to be healed supernaturally. But for whatever reason, where they were at in their faith, and, uh, of course, you know, her faith has got something to do with it, too. Um, but he said it was fine. And of course, they had the surgery, and it was fine. And, in fact, she outlived Brother Hagen uh, by many years. Uh, and so, uh, it, but it really goes along with that story, goes along with this verse, that it's my good pleasure, it's the Lord's good pleasure to give us his kingdom. Amen. Uh, and he longs so much for us to ask because he set it up that way. Amen. He said, ask and you shall receive, implying that if you don't ask, then you don't receive. Uh, and, of course, a lot of people get weird doctrines. You know, we don't want to bother the Lord. And, you know, it's, it's just a small thing. And, you know, a, a lot of uh, reasons why we don't do what the master instructed us to do. Amen. Did he instruct us to ask? He did instruct us to ask. Right. And really, it's not it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Uh, and yet, oftentimes, we'll, we'll make reasons, uh, excuses why we don't want to do it the way he wants us to do it. Uh, but he set it up that way, and he really set it up that way because he wants us to be people of faith. Amen? Uh, if, you ask, if you ask, you have to ask in faith. 
Uh, and so is it the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? It's his good pleasure. Amen. He, it, it brings him pleasure to uh, provide assistance to his, us, his children. Uh, and so, uh, so I just want to encourage you with that. That's just a, a great verse. Uh, it's a great verse to meditate a lot on. Amen. I just meditate. I, li- I like that for good pleasure. I meditate on that verse a lot. Amen. Just especially that particular phrase there. So, uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. But you are Lord of my life. Father, I choose to yield to you. If you are Lord of my life, Father, then I invite you to speak to me, Father, to instruct me, to command me even, Father, the things that I must do, things that I must say, Father. Father, all that I have is yours as my Lord. Father, my lips, Father, are yours to speak as you choose to speak. My mind, Father, is yours to think as as you desire for me to think. My physical body, Father, is yours to do with as you please. Father, all the possessions that I have, if you are truly my Lord, all that I have is yours. Father, I choose to yield to you in every area of my life. I choose to, to heed your call, Father, in every area of my life. Father, I I choose to pursue your word and to be obedient to it, Father, in every area that it speaks to me. Father, you are Lord, and I choose to allow you to be my Lord, Father. I thank you, Lord. Just as your word says, and it's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Father, as my Lord, you desire the very best for me. You desire for me to be prosperous, Father, and to be in health. You desire for, my, for me to be of a sound mind and a well body. Father, you desire good things for me. You desire, Father, for me to be full of joy. That is a Lord worth serving. So, Father, we thank you. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, in, in um, the book of Romans, chapter 10, it tells us the two things we must do to be born again. It says that uh, uh, we must believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, which if you believe that, then you have to believe that basically everything that he accomplished for redemption was completed in the work of the cross. Uh, and so that's a, good, um, that, that's a good basis. But the second part is you must confess him as Lord. So there's only two things you must do to be born again. Amen. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and to confess him as Lord. Uh, in fact, we were talking about that on one Wednesday night many years ago. and We had a, a visitor, you know, and, and uh, uh, it's always interesting when visitors come for the first time because, you know, it, when I go visit someplace, first thing I do is say nothing, right? I mean, because... You know, I don't know anything, and so I might as well say nothing, right? Uh, that way, people don't know I don't know anything, amen? So as soon as I open up my mouth, you know, all doubt is removed that I don't know anything, amen? That, and so, uh, but anyway, so I was, I was talking about that particular verse, that there's only two things you must do to be born again. And the fellow raised his hands, well, actually, there's three things. And he says, you must, you must do what he says. Like, that's great. That's not what it says, right? <laughs> so let's do what it says. And so, um, but... Uh, uh, you know, he was talking about you must keep all the other commandments of the Lord in order to, to, to remain or to be saved. And, well, I don't know how you're going to keep all the commandments if you don't even know what they are. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. You can't keep his commandments unless you know what they are, but you're not going to know what they are until you get saved and, and start studying and get the revelation of what they are. Uh, but um, there's only two things you must do to get saved is to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and to confess him as your Lord. Well, I think we, we have done a disservice in the church of not really explaining that second part as well as we could have. Because, you know, a lot of times, uh, in, especially in an evangelistic service, the emotions of, you know, well, you know, I want God. I want all of God. That's great. You know, praise God. Come down and get him, right? Uh, and then people rush to the front and, uh, and they get saved and, uh, and, and they think all is well. And, uh, but I, but uh, when, when I've had people to do that, we've had, you know, of course, we've had people come down to get saved over the years. Uh, and, um, you know, I say, do you believe that God raised him? Absolutely. Are you, willing, are you willing to let him be the Lord of your life, to, to instruct you what to do and to follow his, his uh, instructions, uh, you know, all the days of your life? And they say, well, you know, I'll try. Well, that's not really confessing him as your Lord. That's confessing him as you may be Lord, right? Maybe Lord is not quite the same thing as Lord, right? And so, you know, it's really a, a, now walking that out the rest of our life. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and never never. Uh, miss the Lord ever again, you know, make a mistake ever again the rest of your life, or you lose your salvation. It's not talking about that, but it's, it's a commitment. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's a verbal commitment. I choose to make him the leader of my life, not the church, not the pastor, not, not anybody else, the, the Lord Jesus, that he is now the Lord, the chief in charge, the master of my life. And that's salvation, right? Uh, and that's when you're, really, when you're ready to commit to that, and it's really, you know, I mean, if you were an intelligent human being, that would be an easy commitment. So if I, if, if, if I make him my Lord, he's going to give me the kingdom. He's going to uh, heal my body. He's going to uh, help me to have my mind renewed and, and, and prosper everything that I lay my hands to. He's going to prosper that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal, right? But you have to sign up for that. Amen. And so if you remember way back in the book of Genesis, uh, when the Lord was, was uh, when he came to Abraham, said, Abraham, I want to have a commit, uh, covenant with you. And he said, I'll, I'll do all these things. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll make, I'll make your descendants the star, like the stars of the sky. Uh, I'll, I'll take care of you in every way. And Abraham's like, well, so what do I have to do? And the Lord said, well, you just basically have to say yes. And Abraham's like, well, sign me up. But that, Abraham was 20 generations from Adam. You know the Lord had to have asked other people to have a covenant with him. I mean, you know, we don't have a Bible for it, but, but I'll bet everything I ever owned that the Lord had asked, you know, uh, uh, no, probably not Cain, but uh, like Abel, uh, Enoch, Methuselah, uh, Jared. You know, Jared was a fellow there, you know, not my Jared, but another Jared, you know, all these generations. You know, he asked all of them. And uh, Noah, he asked all, hey, you want to have a covenant with me? I need, a, I need a covenant with a man on the earth. And I, mm, what's, what's, what do I have to do? Well, well nothing. But, uh, of course, the word covenant, uh, even in the Old Testament, means testament. Uh, and it implies that somebody has to die for this, right? And so there was a little concern that you want me to have a covenant where somebody's got to die in order to make this, you know, uh, for real? Yeah. And, and, of course, they were like, well, is it me or you? <laughs> and so I think there was a little concern that, well, you know, you're asking me to, to die. You know, I don't know if I was going to sign up for that. And so nobody signed up for it until, until Abraham showed up. Uh, and so, you know, just like with salvation, you know, a lot of people, they want the blessings of the Lord. I mean, the blessings of the Lord are wonderful. Amen. Full life insurance, full fire insurance. Amen. I mean, full 
health insurance, everything. Pretty good deal. But, uh, uh, and it's not that, that uh, he's asking anything in particular from you other than everything, right? I mean, but he's not asking you to do anything, right? I need, I need an arm. You know, you've got to give me an arm, right? Uh, you've got to lose an arm, and then, then you can be mine, right? Uh, and well, that's a big commitment, right? Or, or even, you know, give up your child or, or give up this or give up that. Uh, he, just, he wants you to make the commitment, and then he'll, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, um, hey, uh, will you help me? And, and you want, well, you know, I need to know what, what uh, you want me to help you with first before I, I sign up for that. But the Lord, it's kind of an open-ended. He, he, do, he really does want you to, to uh, have an open-ended commitment with him, be willing to do whatever he asks you to do. Uh, and if you're willing to do that, you get everything. I mean, it's a pretty good deal, right? If, but you have to trust him that he's really honest in that. You know, of course, if I came out and you said, hey, will you help me no matter what I ask you? You know, you're going to be like, well, you know, I don't know. Well, ask me, tell me what it is first, and then we'll talk about it. Because, you know... I mean, as great a guy as I am, you may not trust me that much. But, you know, the Lord, you can trust him that much. And, and so that's, you know, that's, that's where faith comes in because you have to decide, I trust him that he's not going to take advantage of his position with me, that he really is uh, desiring to bless me. Uh, and so, but the Lord, he's trustworthy, amen? People, you know, 50-50 sometimes, right? Sometimes less than that, but uh, sometimes you can trust people. But you can always trust the Lord, Amen. So are you willing to make the commitment? Because if you are, see, that you get everything for eternity. That's a pretty good deal, amen? And so uh, I, I, I'm always amazed at how any intelligent person won't sign up for that, amen? You know, uh, of course, sometimes the more educated we get, uh, the, the less, intelligent we, less intelligent we are, amen? Uh, and so well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. We'll continue there. Uh, we, we started talking a little bit about um, about fasting, and of course, in the context of what Jesus is talking about here, he says, don't be doing this uh, to be seen of men. And again, remember, that's the third time that he said, quit doing things just to be seen of men, because that, that's your whole reward. That's, all you're going to get is, is a slap on the back, and that's all you get for your, for your effort. Versus if you'll do it for the Lord's benefit, then he will bless you and prosper you because of that. You'll, it's sowing and reaping, amen? And so, now, we know if you go through the, all the New Testament, there's no New Testament commandment for the church to fast. I want to say fasting, uh, generally speaking, it means skipping a meal or multiple meals uh, and spend that time instead uh, in prayer. Uh, well, you know, can you not pray at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Can you not pray at 9 o'clock at night? Uh, I mean, you can pray anytime you want to, amen? So you don't have to skip a meal to pray, but, you know, sometimes uh, it's, it's a value to us, not to the Lord. It doesn't, doesn't do anything for the Lord because when you pray at 2 o'clock, is that not just as an effective prayer as if you're praying at 5 p.m. instead of eating, eating food? Well, sure it is, amen? I mean, prayer is prayer, whether you're, where you're praying by skipping a meal or not skipping a meal to pray. So uh, the fasting is not for God's benefit at all. The fasting is for our benefit, and if we're too busy, or, uh, or uh, fasting oftentimes is, and we'll look at some things we talked about, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, last week where Paul said that I keep my body under. Uh, and and uh, in fact, I'll just read it, 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. So he says, I keep, I keep under my body and I keep it. So he calls his body it, but he says, I'm the one doing it. So when he's saying, I keep under my body, well, what does he mean by I? He means my spirit man. 
you are a spirit being. Amen? Your spirit is made in the image and likeness of God. Now, your body, your body, you know, I mean, the Lord has hands. He has feet. We, you know, he has eyes. He has, uh, he has ears, right? I mean, we, he probably resembles us physically, but that's not, not um, how we're made in the image and likeness of God because the Bible says in, in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit. Uh, and so uh, when, when Paul said, I, he's talking about his spirit man. Now, th- and this is important because uh, in the church, we need to understand spirit, soul, and body. And we've talked a lot about that around here. In the world, they don't understand that, right? They think that you are all that you are, right? That, that if you think something, well, then that's what you should do. Uh, as opposed to in the church, we understand that uh, your spirit man is preeminent and made in the image likeness of God. And sometimes you have a thought that doesn't line up with what your spirit wants to think. Uh, and so in those cases, then your thought life and your spirit life are in conflict and you should put your thought life under the, the subjection of your spirit man and say, shut up, I'm not thinking that way. Or if your body has a voice, has a desire, which is maybe different than your spirit man. And then we understand that in the church, the world doesn't understand that. The world thinks that whatever you, whatever you feel like, that's what you should do and just do it. You shouldn't be constrained. But in the church, we're not constraining ourselves we're constraining either our mind or our body. But our spirits should never be constrained. Uh, in, in theory, if you're born again, uh, it's not really in theory, but if, if, you're, if you're born again, your spirit man never makes a mistake. It will never go astray. It's made in image likeness of God. It's sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. It was made from God. Uh, and, it, and it was reborn in the image of God. And so it cannot make a mistake. Now, it doesn't know everything. It has to be trained. It has to be taught what the Word says. It has to be uh, matured. Amen. But it won't make a mistake uh, between now and then. Amen. It may not know what to do. It has to get more information from the Spirit of God in order, in order what to do. So in the church, we understand that there's often conflicts in people's lives between what their flesh or mind wants to do and what, what their spirit wants to do. And that's the pressure that Christians are under. It's the pressure of every, every human being they don't understand it because the voice of your conscience is your spirit. Uh, and so that conflict, people get under pressure, but the reason why they're under pressure is because they have a decision to make and, and they really want to make the bad decision of doing what their flesh and their mind wants to do, but they know they shouldn't do that. Uh, and so they get on, you ever seen people under pressure all the time? Well, the reason why they're under pressure is because they just won't give it up. See, when you, when you learn to just, well, I'm just going to follow my spirit. If my, my flesh wants to do something that I don't want to, oh, shut up, I'm not doing that. My mind wants to think something that's not God, I'm not doing it, shut up, I'm not doing that. It, it's not a big deal. But see, when you think it's a big deal, when you think, I really want to do that, I really want to do that, I've been wanting to do that for a long time, and I, and I get away with it, I do it. You know, if nobody's looking, I do it, you know. Well, the Lord's always doing it, right? Always knows it, right? Uh, and of course, we make plans, right? Well, if they, if they couldn't see me, I'd, I'd slash their tires. You know, I mean, if you've made the plan and, and you would execute it, except for, you know, you don't want to be arrested because it'd mess up your whole day, you know, you still, you got some work to do, amen? Because the, the response should be, when that thought comes, I'm just going to slash your tires. The response is, shut up, I'm not doing that. You, you should put your body under subjection and keep it under. He said, I keep under my body. It's not, I did it one time and it's over with. It's, I keep. It, it's, it's an unruly, it's an unruly uh, member of, of yourself you are a spirit, you have a body, right? And, uh, or you live in a body and you have a soul. That's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good way to, to simplify it, right? You are a spirit, uh, you, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Uh, and all three of those have voices. 
and only one of the voices is always accurate. Every now and then, you know, blind squirrel, you know, sometimes your, your, your soul might just trip up and do something right, amen? Blind squirrel, your body might just trip up and actually do something right. But uh, for the most part, you have to keep it under because it, it desires carnality, right? It desires to be separate from God. It desires to be cared for and to rule your life. Uh, and, and so part of fasting uh, you know, the, we read last week in, in Isaiah that the Lord's not talking about, you know, he said, my desire is not for you to fast food. My desire is for you to keep your body under and do what I want you to do. That's really what he's saying there. We read that in Isaiah 58 last week. Uh, do what my fast is to do what I want you to do. That's his fast. Uh, and so one minister called it living a fasted life. Right? In other words, I don't do everything my body and my mind wants me to do. I do only what my spirit wants me to do. So I fast or I've set aside those desires and I focus on the Lord in all of my life. Uh, and that's a fasted life. That's a life where, where you're giving up these desires because, you know, naturally speaking, we give up the desire for food to eat, you know, to eat where we want to eat. So instead of doing that, we spend that time in prayer but the Lord really would prefer us to live in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, live that kind of passive life where we keep our body under. And when our body wants to lash out or do things that are not not due, uh, we treat it as an unruly child and, and we discipline it, right? Now, we don't beat it. We don't, you know, harm it and those types of things. We just tell it, not, you, no, you can't do that. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, just like when we had our children, we weren't perfect parents, you know, although I did tell my kids oftentimes that they run the, won the parent lottery, you know, because we were the, at least the best parents that we knew anyway, right, uh, in our humble opinion. Uh, and so, but we weren't perfect. <clears throat> but we did learn early on that, you know, if we discipline the children when they're really small, uh, that by the time they got, you know, older, and I say older, I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, we didn't have to discipline them physically. We could just tell them, hey, don't do that. Uh, and, you know, I, I could give them the dad look and just look at them, right? And, and that was sufficient. I didn't have to, you know, uh, and I never threatened my kids. I never said, if you do that, I'm going to spank you. I never, never threatened them. I just said, don't do that. And, and, and so instead of, uh, instead of teaching them by threats, I teach them how to understand authority, which is a much better way, you know, because if people just don't do things because of fear, so that's wrong to do that. They, they need to do things because the authority said not to do that. Uh, and, and so, because the Lord doesn't threaten us, amen? If you, if you, you, know, if you don't obey, I'm going to put cancer on you. A lot of the church believes that God is doing that. Well, he doesn't do that. There's no, you, don't, you don't see that anywhere in the Word of God. It's always a warning. Don't do that because the devil would love to, to rule and reign in your life. And he will take advantage of those situations. So, uh, so when Jesus was talking about fasting, his, his desire, and we, we see that from 1 Corinthians 9, 27, his desire is to leave a, lead a fasted life. And let's turn over to Galatians chapter uh, 5 here. <clears throat> and, you know, if you've never done that, if you, if you have just lived your life, well, I'm just used to, if I feel like it, I'll do it. You know, it's like my, uh, Mr. Fisher, my high school history teacher, would walk around, and we, we called him Humpty Dumpty, which is terrible, you know, but, but you know, what do you do when you're, when you're a teenager? You call your teachers terrible names, right? But, because um, he was kind of round and had, you know, skinny legs, and, uh, and, and he kind of looked, looked like Humpty Dumpty, you know? But he'd, he'd, he'd kind of walk around in the, the classroom, and if it feels good, you should do it. Because he had no understanding of spirit, soul, and body. And he thought if, it, if, it, if he feels good, 
then it doesn't matter, then you should have the right to do that. And yet, see, we understand that a church, just because it feels good physically or mentally or in any other way, if it's in conflict with the Word of God or your spirit man, see, then it's going to cause you harm. That's the understanding we need to understand it, is it will cause you harm because the devil will get involved in that. Uh, and that's the understanding. If we could understand that, yeah, yeah it, it, it felt good doing that, cheating on your wife or cheating on your taxes or whatever it is. You know, I really stuck it to the man there, you know. <laughs> we, had, we had one fellow doing some work for us, and, and uh, he got another job. And, uh, and, um, uh, and so before he left, he, uh, he met the, his replacement, and, and so uh, and kind of showing him ropes, you know, how to do things. And he said, uh, he said this to, to his replacement. He said, let me show you how to take a one-hour job and make it into an eight-hour job. Uh, <clears throat> well, you know, that's terrible, right, that people would do things like that. Amen? Uh, and, see, but in his mind, see, he thought that was perfectly fine because he stuck it to us, right? He st- I, I showed them. I, it, I don't lose a wink of sleep over stuff like that. Because he's got he's to uh, live with that, amen? And suffer any consequences. I desire no, no suffering to, to be put on him. Uh, but, you know, if he lives that life, then it's all sowing and reaping, amen? I, not, I don't have to do anything about it. The Lord, the Lord will take care of it just fine. Uh, and so, and I wish no ill will towards them. But, uh, see, people think they get away with stuff. I got away with that. I got away with making a one-hour job, an eight-hour job. So, I mean, so, uh, I mean, did that really hurt me? You know, I had to pay more to get things done. But how, are you better off? How are you better off? Because you, you didn't make any more money by doing that. You, you, weren't, you didn't come ahead in any way by doing that. Yeah, and so, yeah, but I showed them. Uh, well, can you spend that somehow? Can you take that? You showed me and go down to Walmart and buy something with that? No, but, but see, people do that all the time. Just steal from their employer, right? You know, uh, it's called stealing, right? I'm making one hour job, and that's called stealing, amen? <laughs> and um, of course, Paul told uh, in the book of Ephesians, he said, uh, uh, You that steal, steal no more. Now, who did he write that to? He wrote to the, to the, to the Christian church, right? To the church, us. Well, why did he have to tell the church to stop stealing? Because they're stealing, right? I mean, there's no need to tell somebody to stop doing that unless they're doing that, right? And so that, that's in the Word of God. Stop stealing. People are stealing? Yes, you know, Christians steal. Can you believe that? I mean, it's like, it's like no. Yeah, they, they steal. Amen? Uh, and so I told you I had my pastor one time said, because uh, he'd always give me the great jobs at church to do, he said, you go talk to the secretary. Well, what's going on? She's, she's been stealing from the church to pay her tithes. You know, so, so, you know, she, so, she's the, so she handles all the money, right? And so money crosses her desk, and, she, and so she's getting paid, and so she's she got to pay whatever, $50 for her tithe. She spent all her money on, on, on Twinkies and donuts or something and, and didn't have the $50, so she took the money out of the church offering to pay her tithes. Now, <clears throat> I mean, that, that, you just got to think about that story for a while. I mean, how do, you get, how do you get to that point? You're going, you know what, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do right here. God will be pleased because I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to steal from the church. I'm going to pay my tithes, and God will be pleased. I mean, what if she didn't do it? 
She's the secretary. She's the one keeping the books. Who's going to know about it? The pastor, he couldn't even turn on a computer. I, I, one time, I, I'm going to help my pastor out. I got him a computer, put it on his desk, got it all wired up. I mean, I spent hours, you know, getting it all set up because, you know, I thought, well, you know, he needs a computer, right? It, it's the 20th century, you know, electricity, computers, you know. He never turned it on, not a single time. We finally just took it off his desk. He, you know, he never, it was a paperweight, amen, uh, and so he never used it. He, he would have no idea. Uh, and, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea for the pastor to be that unaware of, of everything, uh, you know, even if you have other people doing things, which is fine. You should at least know what's going on, amen? Uh, and so, but she could have got away with it forever. And, and yet somehow she, she got under so much pressure, she, she told the pastor, hey, I've been doing this, and, and he was like, <laughs> well, you know, we didn't fire her. Uh, you, why wouldn't you fire her? Well, you know, sometimes when people do things like that, they're under so much pressure that uh, if you'll talk them through it, they'll be the best employee after that. You know, sometimes you give people a second chance, they are actually way better. Now, some people, you've got to shoot them in kneecaps anyway. You've got to get rid of them. But, but, uh, but sometimes, sometimes you can recover some people. And, and they'll be a great employee, right? And she was. She was a, uh, I mean, you know, she, there were some other, other, other issues with her. But see, so, so she didn't keep her body under. Now, see, that, you think about the, the, the thoughts you'd have to go through to, to uh, justify that kind of action. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, that's messed up, right? That is messed up. And yet, every day we do the same thing. I'm going to go do this. And the Lord said, you know, don't do that. That will harm you. But I want to do it. Yeah, but it's going to harm you. In the long run, it won't be good for you. And yet we still do those things, amen? Uh, and so Paul said, I keep under my body. Uh, and so here in Galatians chapter 5, it says, uh, we, we know these uh, verses there. Uh, uh, in fact, let's start here in verse 19, because these are all the fun verses right here, right? It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, are obvious, right, or plain, which are these, uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and as such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of, of God. Uh, and uh, there's apparently a lot of controversy uh, about that statement. We're not going to go through all those. I mean, you could, you, I could spend months just teaching on every one of these things, right? Uh, and uh, because uh, how many of these things are the church doing? I mean, just, you know, well, we're not, we're not doing these witchcraft. Uh, what about strife? Anybody in strife, right? Causing conflict in the church? Anybody doing anything like that, right? Uh, uh, what about... Uh, um, uh, seditions, right? Uh, heresies. Well, well, God put that, that cancer on me. You know, that's heresy. That's heresy. God does not put cancer on people. Amen. That's a heresy. Amen. Enviance. Well, you know, I, I can't believe they've got that new car, right? They shouldn't have that new car. I deserve a new car. You know, in fact, I deserve that, that new car that I have. That's envyings, right? Nobody in church has ever done anything like that, right? Uh, and so, and he says, and, and he doesn't just leave it off that list. He's and such like things like this, right? Just stuff like this, right? Uh, and so, there's a lot of these things, right? Uncleanness. Now, this is not talking about your sock drawer, right? Not talking about your dirty laundry on the floor. This is talking about spiritual uncleanness, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, wrath. Uh, anybody ever? I hear people all the time. I got anger issues. I got anger issues. I'm going to anger management. It's like, 
you know, see, I could never teach that class because it'd be like, grow up. Anyone, any other questions? Okay, let's go. I mean, it'd be like, you know, don't do that. You know, uh, uh, I told you the, the, the one time when uh, I, got, I got mad at Chris when we, uh, we've been married, I don't know, we've been married 10 years or so at least by that time. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I got mad at her about something. Uh, who knows what it was? I'm sure, I'm sure she deserved it, you know, because, you know, I'm, I never make a mistake. And so, um, but, I, and, and, and I, that's the way I grew up, uh, just mad all the time. Just, you know, just if you get mad, you just, you just let it use you. Uh, and I would let it use me. And, and, but, you know, I'd get over it because I'm a Christian. I can't be, I'm not allowed to be mad forever, but I can be mad for a little while. You know, I mean, it's okay to be mad for a little while because, I mean, wow, I mean, human, right? I mean, I'm just human. <clears throat> and so, but it, it was like a day or so. And, you know, it, you just take two, three days because, you know, that's fair, right? I mean, a week is too much. So you can't be, you know, that's, that's harboring ill will. You can't be mad for a week, but like two, three days is, you know, it's okay, right? Uh, and so uh, about the second day, I, I was getting ready for work and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, you can stop being mad anytime you want to. And just like that, I wasn't mad. And I understood uh, probably for the first time in my life, I get to choose. Uh, and that, just that one revelation there has served me so well over these years because I understand that uh, every emotion is a choice. You don't have to be mad. I just couldn't help it. Yes, you can. Anger management waste of good air, right? There's no anger management. It just don't be angry. Amen. Well, you don't know. It doesn't matter what they did. You know, you can just not be mad. Amen. And, and, and so, because uh, he says, don't do these things. So that means you have the capacity to not do them. If you have the capacity, I, I have needs, <laughs> whatever, you know, you have a need to grow up is what you have a need of, right? But, and so, uh, but you can just choose not to do it. You can just choose See, if your if your spirit man, I put under my body. If your spirit man is in charge, your spirit man go. I'm not going to get mad about that. And, and see, see, that's different than what psychology teaches. Oftentimes, is suppress that, right? You suppress, you, you suppress that. No, you. you uh, he, Paul told the Ephesians, you put off the old man. So it's not you just biting a nail. See, you, you need to get to where to a point in your life where you, you, you I don't bite any nails. There's no nails to bite. Well, I'm going to bite a nail so I don't say anything I shouldn't say. Well, okay, that's great, but you're still not where you need to be. You need to be where there's no nails. When that thing happens, you go, wow, somebody should do something, but I'm not going to get mad about it. Uh, and so you can live that way. You have a right to live that way. You have a right to live where your spirit man is so in charge of your life that when an event occurs, uh, you know, when we were doing this, uh, doing this bookcase back here, they, were, they put black stain on, the, on those shelves, right? And that's like red oak wood there. It's really expensive wood. Uh, and so the guy was staining it. Uh, and, and he did something. He bumped the can of, of stain. And a quart of black stain poured down the back of that bookcase, the front of that thing, and went down the, the bookcase and, and, and spilled on the brand new rug back there, right? A brand new uh, expensive rug back there. And everything back there is expensive, you know, because like, well, you know, it's, it's, we got, that's what you got to have, right? Okay, fine. And so, uh, and all the oxygen was sucked out of the room. I was here. Uh, we were, there were several of us here that day just watching them work because, you know, I like watching other people work. It's really, it's really, you know, it's nice watching other people work. And so, and, and men, they panicked. And so uh, I'm just back there. And I, so I just take a picture and send it to the contractor. I said, here's, here's what's going on. And, and like alarms went off and, you know, uh, uh, 
like the ambulance came and the fire people came. I mean, just, uh, he came and all, and they were making such a big deal about it. And the contractor came over there and said, he said, I'm so glad you didn't get upset at that. He said, other customers of mine would just cuss me. Christians would just cuss me and, and scream at me and holler at me. And I'm like, well, you're going to fix it, aren't you? Well, yeah. Well, then what, why is it a thing, right? Why? Because he got us a new rug and, and he fixed the stuff back there and repainted it. And can you tell it? I mean, if I didn't tell you that it happened, you wouldn't know it. If you look really close in some of the woods, you can tell a little bit where that, but it wasn't, it wasn't even a thing. Amen. And, and yet <clears throat> he acted like, you know, uh, uh, I was like Gandhi or something, right? I can't believe you didn't, you didn't get mad at that. But see, uh, because years ago, the Lord spoke to me. You know, you can stop being mad anytime you want to. And so now I just, I, I refuse to allow that to, to, now righteous anger, you know, you, you want to you see me get mad? You just, you, you harm somebody, some innocent person in this church. You and me will not get along well. And you will hear some words that will make you uncomfortable, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he said, uh, uh, those are the works of the flesh. But he said in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit, now notice works of plural, fruit is singular, there in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first fruit is love, the agape love of God. So that's what you can develop. So fruit is born by you, right? Uh, uh, fruit comes from your life. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And that word temperance there means self-control. So self-control is talking about you control. Uh, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 27. You are control. You have fasted. Uh, that, those emotions, you have fasted those, those nat, the natural desires that are not godly, that don't line up with the word of God. You choose to live under self-control. Uh, <clears throat> where you're in control, where your spirit man is under, control, is under control. That's a fruit of the spirit that is born by you, by your life of faith. Uh, and as you, as you develop in your life of faith, then see, like uh, that, that statement that the Lord told me, I can stop being mad anytime you want to, uh, <clears throat> then See, that taught me that I get to be in control of my life. Yeah. Amen. Instead of, of things and events. Amen. And so when I learned that, it was, such a, it was such a great freedom to me because I was so used to reacting to my environment. And, I, and you ever felt bad after you get mad about something? I just, you know, I just, I just hate that I got mad and said those things. And I wish I hadn't said those things. I wish I hadn't done those things. And you just live with regrets all your life. And, 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 and so now some people, they get to a point where I don't care. You know, they deserved it. And they, they go the other direction. They steer their conscience. Uh, and, and they can't hear anything from the Lord. Uh, and so <clears throat> um, we, got, we got time here. Let, let's turn over to uh, the book of Luke because there's one thing here that fasting. So what's the purpose of fasting? I mean, what, uh, you know, the primary intent of fasting is uh, to basically train yourself that you're in charge. Train your body that your spirit is in charge. Train your emotions that your spirit is in charge. That's really, and you can do that without skipping a meal. Amen. You can do that just when, when the stain gets spilled on the back thing there. You can train yourself. And instead of uh, just biting a nail, you can train yourself where that man doesn't ever rise up. Right. You go, well, that's just the thing, right? <clears throat> and... and um, uh, for some, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I, I was thinking about this in, in connection with, with this message here. Uh, anybody heard of uh, Fat Tuesday? Yeah, you know what Fat Tuesday is? Uh, fat Tuesday is actually, uh, Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Uh, I, and, and so 
Well, the reason why they do Fat Tuesday is because Wednesday is called Ash Wednesday, and that's the first day of Lent, which is in the Catholic religion, uh, is where they start giving up like meat, you know, and things in preparation for Passover and, and Easter and those things. And so they choose to give up uh, 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 meat for however long, is it a week or a month? You know, I don't know how long it is, but they, they decide to give up things for Lent in order to show their devotion to the Lord. So what they do is they prepare for that by having Fat Tuesday. I'm going to eat like a pig on Tuesday so I can give up whatever I need to on Wednesday. But see, if you eat, eat enough on, on Tuesday, you can just coast through Lent, right? Because you just tanked up and just coast right through Lent, right? And so, so I mean, it's, it's kind of defeats the whole purpose of, of, well, let's have, it's like the opposite of, well, instead of fasting, I'm going to gorge on Tuesday so I can fast on Wednesday. It kind of defeats the whole point of the thing, right? Uh, see, uh, fasting is not supposed to be a, an event, a single event. It's a lifestyle, right? It's a lifetime of, of living in a temperate environment, a self-controlled in, uh, lifestyle, amen? So, so uh, but that's just like humanity, right? You know, we're, we're going to, now they do that, you know, in, in, even in the Muslim religion when they do Ramadan, right? Ramadan is their, their similar thing where they give up uh, stuff for, for a while. And if you know any Muslims, they will go and gorge themselves the day before Ramadan starts. And so, it, it, why? Because they're humans, right? They're human beings. We all are pigs, you know, essentially, amen? Uh, and so, if left to our own devices, that we will all strive for that. Uh, and so, uh, so, I don't know what's got to do with anything except for that, that, uh, uh, that doesn't prove anything, amen? Gorging on Fat Tuesday so that you can stop eating like a pig on Wednesday, uh, it kind of neutralizes everything and you're not really ahead, amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, so let, let's hear in Luke 9, we're going to go to Luke 9 and we're going to go to Mark 9, but I want to go to Luke 9 first because um, it gives us a better, a better timeline. Because what I want to show you is what, what are some values in actually fasting, right? What could fasting help you do as a special, as a specific event? I'm going to stop doing something. I'm going to stop uh, eating and I'm going to spend that time in prayer. So is, uh, because sometimes people, well, there's no value in fasting. Well, well, if there's a need, you should do it, amen? If you can live a fasted life without giving up a meal, then live a fasted life without giving up a meal, amen? One of the things that, that, uh, that it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's like a small thing. It's like barely, you know, moves a needle. But it, it, it's a helpful thing for me that as my kids were growing up, see, my, my kids, because they're kids, right, and they, they, they are like locusts. They will consume everything in their immediate path, right? And so, so uh, the kids got to where they'd look at me, and they would wait. Now, now they learned this from their mother because Chris is this way too, right? So, so if, we're, if I'm eating something, like if you go down to like Arby's and get like one of their, like one of their um, uh, turnovers, right, the apple turnovers, right? They're better than the cherry turnovers, but, you know, uh, if, 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 you know, if you eat cherry turnovers, it's okay, right? But it's not nearly as good as the apple turnovers. So, but if you eat the apple turnovers, see, so she would, she would wait, and, and I, I would do all the hard work of eating all the outside edge, and then she'd wait till, till I got to the middle of it, and then she would ask for a bite then, right? Because she didn't want to wait, when, get the first bite, because that's a waste of, of good apple turnover, because there's no apples. It's just, it's just crushed, you know, that. So she'd wait till I got to the middle, and then, then, then she, hey, can I have a bite now? And she's done that every, since we've been married, right? It's like she's spying on me, waiting, you know, hey, wait. So the kids picked it up, and what they did is they, they'd wait, because what you do is, is you, like we're eating a sandwich, you, 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 you strategically eat it so that the last bite is the best, right? 
you know, so you, so you get all the, you know, the crust, that's just a waste of time right there, you know. It's like, it's like um, um, uh, uh, trail mix, right? Someone said trail mix is, is just chocolate with obstacles. Uh, and so, so you eat the good stuff, right? Uh, or, and you save, you save the last, just like your dessert, right? You, you kind of eat all the stuff and you wait for the last bite. It, it's perfect. And see, the kids get to where they, they would do that. They'd watch me and they'd wait. Hey, Dad, can I have the last bite? See, see the, so, so it's like a conspiracy because Chris wants the middle bite, right? And the kids want the last bite. So I, I'm just like a goat. My job is to eat the, eat the scrubs and the, and the you know, hay and the sticks and then give everything else to everybody else, right? I do all the hard work, and they, they uh, get to enjoy all, the, all of my labor, right? And, and so that's the type of life I live right now. It's really hard. It sounds tough and, and, and difficult, doesn't it, right? Uh, but that's, that's my life. And so, hey, can I have the last bite? And so I had to train myself, yes, uh, I would love for you to have the last bite, as opposed to, yes, have the last bite, and I hope you choke on it, right? <laughs> See, see, that's, that's the difference, right? See, uh, most parents would still give it to the kid. I hope it's gross. I hope there's a worm in it, right? I hope, you know, so that you never ask for it again. See, that's not a temperate lifestyle, right? That's not a lifestyle of where you're in control. That's where you're wishing ill will towards your, even your own children, right? Oh, yeah, you can have it, right? And, and, and I, hope, I hope there's a pickle on it, right? If it's Jared, I hope there's a pickle on the last bite there because uh, he hates pickles. Uh, and so... But see, it's good, to, it's good to check up on yourself. What's your response when they ask for that last bite? Does, it, does is resentment immediately rise up? Yeah, you can have it. See, that's not, uh, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'll give it to you that I don't want to. Right? I'll give it to you because I'm required to act like an adult, even though you're a child. I'm required to act like an adult, even though you're not. You should be required to act like an adult too, but you're not. <clears throat> and so... Uh, what, what's your reaction in that? See, if you can do it with all joy, uh, and, I, mean, you know, I mean, you spend all that time doing that, uh, getting it set up, and then they ask for the last bite. Please, I want, you, I want you to have it. No, no, I insist that you have the last bite. I, uh, and I, but you've got to do it. See, you can't be Fat Tuesday. You can't do it faking it, right? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have the appearance of, of, uh, of, of fasting. Uh, but I'm not really fasting because I've gorged on Tuesday, like, and I'm a beached whale. I can't even get up to eat anyway, and so I might as well fast. And so, <clears throat> well, so here we are in, in Luke 9. So I just, I just want to go through, uh, I'm not going to read all the verses here because we'd have to go through almost the whole chapter here. I just want to give you the highlights there. In verses 1 through 6 is when he sends out the disciples. Remember, he said in verse 1, then he called the 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority over what? All devils and to do what? Cure diseases. Is that what Jesus gave them the power to do? Well, then did they have that power? They did, right? They went out and did those things, right? And they departed and did those things and did exactly what he said. They come back uh, in verse 10. And, and uh, uh, if you look, um, well, when he did the disciples there in, uh, in the book of Matthew, they said, we have power even over, uh, over the devils in your name. Uh, and so, so he sent them out. He gave them the power to do that. They left, came back. Everything went great. Uh, then... then um, Later on, uh, they went to the Mount of Transfiguration uh, there in verses 28 through 36. And then the story, verse 37, starts the story of the man with the epileptic son. So, so I wanted to give you that timeline because Luke gives us a timeline better than Mark does. So now we can turn over to the book of Mark and we look at, we'll look at that. So now in the book of Mark, in, in uh, verses uh, 1 through 13, uh, there are... 
they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. So it's Peter, James, John, and Jesus are on the Mount of Transfiguration. So the other nine disciples, so there's 12 apostles, right? So, so three of them are on the mountain with Jesus. Nine of them are not on the mountain with Jesus. Uh, and, and this is after they had already gone out uh, and with the power of the Lord to, to uh, uh, cast out devils and heal diseases. So same exact story, same timeline, right? But Luke gives us a better, a better understanding of these things. And so, so now we can start here in Mark's version of the story, in verse 14, it says, And when he came to his disciples, uh, he saw a multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. Now, they came down from the mountain of transfiguration, Peter, James, John, and Peter, the four of them. And it says, And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? What, 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 what's, what's going on? So, you know, he didn't know what was going on at this particular time. And so it says, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. <clears throat> I know a lot of people have a dumb spirit, right? But in this case, he's talking about a spirit that, that, that kept them from speaking. But I am sure there are other dumb spirits in the world. Amen. <clears throat> because really all demonic spirits are dumb by, by their very nature, right? Because why wouldn't you want to serve the Lord? Uh, you would have to be dumb not to serve the Lord, right? Now, that's just my, uh, my uh, commentary on that. And so, so he explains what's going on in verse 18. And, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So now, we don't know for sure, but, but we suspect that this is a, an epileptic spirit, right? That this is a, uh, an epileptic uh, son here. He's got epilepsy. And, and so, he, so this man brought his son to the disciples to cast this devil out, to cure him of epilepsy. And he said they couldn't do it. But if you remember in, in Luke 9, Jesus said, I've given you the power to cast out devils and to cure diseases. So both are covered here, right? This demonic spirit and, and uh, it's causing this sickness uh, in this, this uh, son. And, and they had the power. And yet they couldn't do it. So, so now we've got a problem, right? And so uh, what did Jesus say? That's no problem, I'll take care of it. No, what did he say? Oh, faithless generation. In verse 19, oh, faithless generation. Now, who's he really talking to? He's not talking to the man because the man came to the disciples with faith, believing that you're the people who have the ability to cure. I came in faith with, with expect, expectation that you can do what I heard that you did because I heard about the story of Jesus giving you the power to cure diseases and heal the sick and cast out devils. I heard my faith is that you can do that. And the disciples are like, well, we, I, I, I got nothing. I got, sorry, I, we can't do it. And so when Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, who's he talking to? He's not talking to the man. He's talking to the disciples. Oh, faithless how long will I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you or put up with you? Bring him unto me. And so it's not the man's fault, right? The man did his job. He brought the son to the disciples to do, to do it. You know, now we know in the New Testament, uh, we don't have to go find somebody. We can believe God on our own to get healed, amen? But nothing wrong with going to somebody and getting help if you need it. Uh, and so, so he, he, he is rebuking the disciples. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? He knows he's not going to be with them forever. And of course, they're thinking, man, this is a gravy train. We can, just, we can work this forever. You know, this is going to be great. And Jesus do all the hard work. We'll get, all, we'll, we'll, the, we'll get to go on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
we get to enjoy being, we're, I'm, with, I'm with Jesus, right? I'm with Jesus. <clears throat> and so they were enjoying the, the accolades of being with Jesus and all the attention they were getting, even though uh, they weren't building up their own faith. Because see, what they should have been developing is, well, Lord, that worked that time, it'll work again. But see, what, the, what they thought, well, it worked that time, probably won't ever work again. And so they didn't have the faith, you know. It worked out one time, but... Now, you know, that thought has come to me nearly every time that I deal with any sickness or disease in my body. You reckon it's going to work that time? You reckon it's going to work again? And I just go over in my own mind, yeah, oh, well, the Lord healed me that time. He healed me that time. He healed me that time. He healed me that time. It'll work again. It'll work always. Amen. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't let those thoughts of unbelief fester in my mind because people don't deal with it. You've got to deal with them, right? You've got to put that under. My spirit man says, yes, he heals every single time, no exceptions. Sometimes your body may say, well, you know, maybe, maybe it won't work this time. You've got to attack those things. And he said, how long should I put up with you? Bring up to me. And they brought, brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, convulsed him. And he fell on the ground, wallowing, foaming. So uh, to me, this, is, this, this right here will tell you whether you're in faith or not. Because if you were here and, and, and the father brought the son, and you're talking to the father, and suddenly the son falls down, starts, starts convulsing, and foaming at the mouth, what would you do? Would you start running around and tear some sheets, boil some water, do something, right? We got to call some, call 911. We got to, you know, would you panic? Would you, uh, I mean, a lot of Christians would start speaking in tongues. Even people who don't speak in tongues, they'd start speaking in tongues right then, right? Uh, and, and, and get panicked and get a little nervous about it. What did Jesus do? I love this story with Jesus. He asked his father. The son's wallowing on the ground, foaming in the mouth, and Jesus ignores the kid and goes, so, you know, how long has it been going on? <laughs> you know, just, just as calm, just calm, no, no pressure at all. Because the devil loves getting you under pressure, to get you under pressure to say something or do something. Even if it looks like, even if it looks spiritual, if you're doing it out of the motivation of pressure, so you're not doing it by faith. Oh, we got to do something right now. Why? I mean, you know, because people don't people die from that. They do die from epilepsy, right? Epilepsy, epileptic fits. They may choke. Or do, you know, I mean, it's serious, right? You got to get a get a tongue depressor, right? Here, bite on a bite on bite on a nail. See, that's okay. And you got epilepsy. You got it's okay to bite on a nail, right? You keep them keep them choking. And so, but Jesus, no pressure at all. He asked his father, "So, how long has it been going on?" He, he said, uh, "Of a child." Oft times cast him into fire and water destroy him. Uh, but, thou, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion uh, on us and help us. And while, while we're looking down, I'm going to pull up here. Uh, because uh, this translation, the, the King James doesn't do as good a job about this particular uh, phrase here, how Jesus responded uh, as he could have. So we're going to look at, uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at this in... Um, uh, and a couple of different translations. But here, in, so in Mark 9, 23, Jesus responds uh, to this man here, <clears throat> uh, and, and he says, uh, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Well, that, you know, that's okay, but it doesn't really bring out, it doesn't really bring out the response and how Jesus was saying it. And so uh, we're not going to read in all these translations because i got some great translations. But uh, one of them says, anything you can do, echoed Jesus. See, Jesus was, 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 was responding his, to his question with his own question. Uh, what do you mean anything you can do? 
He said, everything can be done for one who believes. So really what Jesus was, was he was questioning the man's question. Why are you questioning me? Because a lot of times we, we put the question on Jesus. Jesus, if you could help me, that'd be great. And so what do you mean if? There's no if. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one train says, if you can do anything you say, everything is possible for the man that believes him. Uh, uh, and I'm going to see if I can find um, uh, this one. Uh, yeah, one train says, if? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. See, that was really what Jesus was saying. Why are you saying if? Don't put if on me. Right? He said, if you can believe, he put the if on the man. Because see, the only, the only question is ever on our side. Never question on God's side, if he can do anything to help. There's no ifs with believers. If you can believe is, is the only place where ifs are, are, um, are accurate. Amen? Uh, so if, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe it. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now some people say that when he said, help thou mine unbelief, he was talking about his son was the unbelief, but I don't believe that at all. I, I think, you know, the man had faith, but, you know, if he had perfect faith, he could have just done it on his own, right? He didn't really need Jesus. So, I mean, he had some faith, but he didn't have perfect faith. And so he's saying, look, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I am here. You know, help, help my unbelief. You know, I, I do believe, you know, I'm here. Did, so he had to believe something, right? He showed up. So, but, but he couldn't get it on his own. So he knew that he wasn't perfect in faith. Uh, have you ever not been perfect in faith? Well, I mean, you know, welcome to the human race. Amen. And so help thou my unbelief. And, and so Jesus did have compassion on him. And so he said, because uh, people started running together, uh, running towards him because everybody likes to see something. Right, and and sometimes, you know, they're not there to add their faith to the situation. They're just there for to be observers uh, and to be looky lookers, right? And, and just they want to see something interesting, uh, and and they're just carnal people. And you're always going to get carnal people. And oftentimes, Jesus would leave a situation or do something to minimize that. And here, you know, Jesus did uh, when he saw that he he immediately rebuked the foul spirit because they're not, they're not going to add any faith to him, and he's not doing things for show. And so he's going to deal with this immediately. He said, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And so in this case, there was a spirit, a demonic spirit affecting the child. Now, you remember what did Jesus give him the power to do in Luke 9? Power to cast out devils and to cure diseases. So would, would that have covered this scenario? Sure. Casting out devils is casting out devils, right? Uh, and so I charge thee, Come out of him and enter no more into him. And spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. And so, you know, the kid was convulsing and all of a sudden he got very still. And, and he looked like he went from, from convulsing to being very still, like he expired right there. But no, he just he became calm because the spirit had left him uh, uh, and left his physical body. <clears throat> and so, so he, people thought he dead. he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Privately, right? Well, we don't want, you know, because you know, who knows what Jesus is going to say, so let's make sure he doesn't say anything to make us look bad, right, in front of anybody else. <clears throat> and so why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, this kind cannot come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So this is a time when Jesus said, here is a valuable uh, purpose of fasting. So now some people say, well, when he's talking about this kind, he's talking about this kind of devils. 
But it, that can't be so because uh, when Jesus was there with the devil, he didn't say, well, hang on, you got this devil here. Let me go and fast and pray. I'll be back tomorrow. Let me go fast and pray so I can come back and cast him out. No, he, he didn't. Did Jesus do that? Did he go and hang on? I can't fast. I can't cast this kind of devil out unless I go and, and fast and pray. No, he didn't do He did it right then, right? He didn't say, hang on, you know, I'll be right back. No. Uh, so he's not talking about the devil. What did he say back up in verse 19? He answered and said unto him, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And then he tells him this kind, well, this kind of what? This kind of, 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 of faithless generation, this kind of faithlessness cannot be cast out or removed from your life unless you spend time in prayer and fasting. And that makes the most sense because <clears throat> what's the purpose of prayer and fasting is to uh, increase your faith. Uh, and so if they're, so, so what Jesus is saying in this particular case here is, yeah, they could go and do some, you know, some, some, some certain types of sickness and diseases, right? And not real big ones, but, you know, you got a toe ache, yeah, I, I could pray for that one. You got a headache, yeah, I could pray for that. You know, migraines, eh, that's, that's a little bit more for me, you know. Yeah. Epilepsy, you're, you're wallowing on the ground, that makes me really nervous. I'm not, I'm, I can't do that, you know. Uh, but if it's, you know, if it's, if it's something small, let me know. I'll be glad to help you out. But big things, yeah, we gotta, we got to push it up the food chain to, to Jesus, right? And so, and Jesus said, that's unbelief. Uh, and, and how much unbelief do we have in our lives in areas where, where we can believe God for this, but you know, when it comes to this thing, we, 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 we kind of fall when we get to that part. And Jesus said, well, that's unbelief. And, and sometimes you need to spend some time in your life to set aside time to get that out of your life. Go, go skip a meal and spend some time with the Lord because spending time with the Lord, uh, of course, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's not, it's sometimes not, it's, the, it's not the knowledge of the word of God. It's you've got to get that unbelief out of your heart. And he said, spending time with me in prayer is a great way to remove that unbelief out of your life. Now, and so, uh, so sometimes people struggle with certain things in their life. I've had people come and tell me, I, just, I really struggle with faith, which is really odd, because, like just all faith. Well, I mean, you're literally called a believer. You're designed to believe, right? Spiritually, you're designed to believe. You have the capacity to believe, amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, see, someone like that, my, my response would be, well, you need to spend some time in prayer and fasting because you should never say those words, I have a hard time with faith. You know, you may say, I have a hard time with with this, this area of faith, you know, believing for healing or prosperity or whatever, I mean, okay, that's fine, but just faith in general? How, um, are you saved? I mean, you, you know, that, that you shouldn't make a generic statement like that. Uh, but um, Jesus said this is the case here. And, and this goes back to just one thing that uh, the other day that uh, I had been meditating on these scriptures and just thinking about them. And, uh, and I'll do that a lot of times, as, as, especially if we're teaching us. So I'll meditate on... Uh, on the, even as, as we're teaching these things, because there's always great revelation. And one day, just, just the other day, uh, I woke up <clears throat> and was getting ready to get up. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said that the root of all sin is unbelief. Uh, and I thought, that's... Because that's, he said that because of the context of what I've been meditating on. He said, all sin, the root of all sin is unbelief. Because you don't believe there, there's any issue in doing that sin, right? You don't believe that, that God is going to get you you don't believe that it's wrong you don't believe even though you know it is you know there's a lot, whatever whatever unbelief about that sin is is unbelief and he said some and, and and so you know 
the way the Lord often works in my life, and, and uh, I'm assuming works this way in other people too, is oftentimes he'll say something, but along with that statement, along comes some revelation. <clears throat> and when he said that, I understood that, you know, there are some sins that people need to spend some time in prayer and fasting to get out of their life. Because that's, that root of that sin is unbelief. <clears throat> and so they'll never overcome that sin unless they spend some time in prayer and fasting. Now, other sins, you can just don't do it. I'm just not going to do it because of, of the fruit of temperance, the fruit of self-control, and keeping your body under, you can just say, I'm not doing that. But some sin, if it's rooted in strong unbelief, where, where maybe you've done it for a long time or whatever it is, <clears throat> it has control of your life, then, then you may need to spend some time in setting aside specific time with the Lord that fast something, right? It doesn't have to be food. It could be TV. It could be the Internet. Uh, heaven forbid we'd, fa- we'd fast Facebook, right? <clears throat> well, we could, I mean, i got to scroll Facebook, right? You know, see what all, all that's going on in the world. Because it's all true. Because if it's Facebook, it's got to be true, right? There's no lies on Facebook at all, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> but, uh, but you may have to set aside some time in that area of your life. And so that's really between you and the Lord where you've got to find out, Lord, is this, is this something that, that I just can't overcome uh, because it's rooted and grounded in just unbelief? A lot of times that's the root issue. Now, <clears throat> Jesus said this kind, this kind, of, this kind of hard unbelief. Oh, faithless generation. That's what he called them. That kind of unbelief, you know, you're going to spend time in prayer and fasting to overcome. Uh, and so what that is in your life, that's between you and the Lord, of course. But the, the point, of, the point of this, is, you know, uh, this all came back from the, what Jesus said about fasting. Even though there's no commandment that you must fast on a regular basis, it is a tool that can be valuable to you to remove some things out of your life that's causing a hindrance in your spiritual life and get over that hump. You get past it where it's no longer controlling your life. Uh, and if the root of that is unbelief, then spend some time in prayer and fasting. Amen. It's both of those, right? So just skipping a meal doesn't do any good unless you spend that time in prayer. Amen. Uh, and spending time in prayer while you're eating, you know, I don't, is that even possible? I guess I don't know. But, uh, uh, but, but uh, Jesus did say, he gave us some insight here that, that would be of great value, value to us, uh, and uh, um, especially in the area of sin, right? That all, the root of all sin is unbelief, amen? It's also the root of all sin is selfishness uh, as well, but, uh, but the reason why you're selfish and, and uh, you continue to commit that sin is because you don't believe that there's any ramifications to that, right? Uh, and, and that's not to put anybody under pressure or to condemn anybody at all. Uh, I think every Christian wants to remove sin out of their life. Anybody want to keep sin in their life? You know, no, don't raise your hand. It's a rhetorical question, right? Oh, yeah, I do, right there. You know. <clears throat> and so uh, that, that, we may have to have prayers for that, right? Uh, but uh, is, that, is that helpful? See, I think that would be helpful, amen? If there's, if there's areas in your life where you need to overcome and you just can't, then Jesus said, here's a way to do it. And, and if he says there's a way to do it, you think it'll work? He said it'll work, amen? So uh, I believe it'll work, Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is so and it's true. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that, uh, that you desire your, your church to believe and to have faith. Uh, and, Father, if there's any area of our life where we just, we, we just cannot believe, uh, we, just, we just have a hard time believing that it's so, even though the word of God may be clear about that circumstance. Uh, well then, Father, uh, we can spend that time in prayer and fasting. And Father, you said uh, that it will be removed, that unbelief will, will, will be removed out of our lives. 
Uh, and Father, we'll, we'll no longer think, well, I can't, I can't overcome. I can't do it. I can't believe. We will say, I do believe, and I have overcome. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. <clears throat> you know, I, I have been um, looking forward to this particular message because I thought that's really good revelation. You know what? Uh, I, I've never heard that before. Amen. And never seen it in that light and thought, well, that's, uh, it helped me. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> I, I might even buy a tape from that, even though they're free, right? I just might buy one anyway. Uh, but come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And um, don't forget June 3rd, just a couple weeks away, right? So if you have any, any, uh, um, any items you want to donate uh, for the free yard sale, then just uh, uh, bring that at your convenience, and we'll get that over there. And um, don't forget, we have a um, guest minister coming on Wednesday, uh, this, this Wednesday. Uh, Larry and Angela Keaton will be here with us. And, um, uh, and of course, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. So uh, we're getting close to being the end of our book here, so we've got another book uh, getting ready to, uh, to look at, and, and um, <clears throat> we call it Healing School, so this will be the closest to school that you'll have when we get to this book, because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, it's an intense book, it's a great book, it, it, it's changed a lot of, uh, a lot of people's hearts about healing and things, uh, but, um, but, and it's not very big, but um, it, it'll be a good book, we'll have a good time with it, so, um, all right, praise God, we'll be blessed, have a wonderful week, and you're dismissed.